What's up, guys? This is Ryan, and I am here with my friends Mark and Pastor Chris, who, as we mentioned in the last episode, is Nick's replacement, and this time it's official. <laughs> last time it was just a joke, it but was this pending. time, yeah, this yeah. time. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. Nick couldn't join us for the past couple episodes, unfortunately. Uh, he's been very busy lately, um, but we are still pressing through the book of Revelation, and we are hopefully, fingers crossed, at the end of Revelation here, I'm going to wrap up this outline for you guys in this very episode, including hitting some of the most controversial passages in Revelation 20 and 21. We're going to try and tackle that the best we can. Um, I've mentioned this in past episodes, but the same is true for this episode. If this is your first time listening uh, to a Bible Dingers episode, you don't want to start with this episode. You want to go back and you really want to hear some of the foundational uh, episodes that we've released prior to this, which includes going through some of the other eschatological views, uh, laying a foundation of how to understand the numerology and things of that nature in Revelation, and then also going through um, the prior chapters of Revelation to get to this point. You really want to listen to those so that you can catch up to where we are. Otherwise, you're going to be lost throughout this entire episode. Um, so with that being said, in the last episode, we went through... Uh, the beast, the sea beast. We talked about the mark of the beast. We talked about the bold judgments and things of that nature. We ended up in chapter 16, and we are continuing on in chapter 17. So with that being said, Pastor Chris, I am going to kick it over to you, and we can start talking about Revelation 17 and the great prostitute and the beast and what's going on here. All right, so... Uh... Yeah, what's going on? We finished the seven bowls, right? Uh, which is the final judgments. Um, so, you know, this is where there's again difficulty. If you're if you're going to say that uh, that the book of of Revelation is chronological and we're moving, you know, through the tribulation period and and those kind of things, we're running into trouble because we've already hit the final judgments and, and now what. It's happening in chapter 17 and 18. Uh, how does that all fit in? Babylon has already fallen, and yet Babylon doesn't fall until these chapters. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, again, how does all that fit? Uh, so uh, I think that helps us to recognize that this cannot be taken chronologically. What John is, is doing is he's laying out a, a description of events uh, as, as God is working in history, and then uh, he's zooming in. And chapter seventeen and eighteen, he's zooming in on uh, this this uh, in a sense battle between the kingdom of God and, and the kingdom of the world, and so we we begin with uh, you know one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls. Now, why does he say that? You know, why isn't you know why isn't just another angel? You know, another great angel that, that, that does this. Why is he saying one of the seven angels from the seven bulls? Well, that's to tell us that the events that are taking place here are part of chapters, you know, chapter 16, hmm. you know, with the, the, the seven bulls. In other words, this is, this is a zoom in into uh, what, what has been described in chapter 16. <clears throat> and so we have this, this uh, you know, judgment of the great prostitute uh, seated on the many waters, and uh, and you know the great prostitute is wickedness, uh, but it's it's not just general wickedness; it's the wickedness of 
uh, Babylon. It's the wickedness of the uh, you know the false religions, the things that we've we saw back in chapter thirteen, um, and <clears throat> and and following. So uh, this is just another way of describing the same thing. This is another way of describing the uh, the, the the two beasts and the dragon, and we'll see that as we go uh, through this chapter, but. Uh, she's seated on the many waters is another way of saying it's the sea, all right? The, the many waters uh, being the, the chaos the, uh, of the world, which takes us back to Genesis 1, where the, the spirit is, is hovering over uh, the tohu and bohu, uh, you know, the, the emptiness and, and sort of chaos, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in terms of creation. Uh, so, uh, you know, what we've seen all the way through, once sin enters the world, everything becomes chaotic, right? Yeah, we return to the tohu and the bohu. We, we return, the, by the way, those are the Hebrew terms. Uh, that's what I'm using there for, uh, for that. And it's, 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 it, it means that we're, you know, sin has uncreated. Hmm. And, and so when we're talking about the, the many waters here, it's, you know, the, the sinful world, the wickedness of the world is uncreated, the, the beautiful creation of God. And God is in the process of recreating through Jesus Christ and through the church, uh, he is recreating uh, the world. And so uh, that's what we, we have going on here in this, this chapter. And, uh, and this is Babylon um, in terms of its description, and yet Babylon isn't mentioned here until later uh, so it's it's the wickedness of uh, the world's cities and and all of that, <clears throat> the you know the the governments, and the uh, and yet the description that we have of this is um, going into the wilderness, seeing the woman sitting on a scarlet beast that's full of blasphemous names and had seven heads heads and ten horns. Well, what is that? Well, that's the sea beast. So <laughs> so we we've just been taken back to uh, chapter thirteen. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and so it's, it's the, the 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 sea beast, and yet this is the woman, uh, you know. Which if you got to go to Ezekiel and you got to see the 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 the, uh, the woman in the basket that's taken, um, you know, out of Israel and is taken off to the wilderness, and and, and you know, again, if, if you don't know the Old Testament, you're not going to pick up on these uh, types and pictures mm-hmm. that are going on, which I don't have time to go into all the details of, of that. Right. Um, so uh, so the, the, this is, now, uh, who is it? All, well, it's Babylon the Great, we get in, in verse 5. Uh, the mother of, of all uh, evil and wickedness um, that's there, the, you know, prostitutes of the earth's abomination, that is the false religions uh, of the world, all right? And uh, and she's drunk the the blood of the the, the martyrs uh, of Jesus, and certainly uh, Rome has done that, okay, under uh, Nero and, uh, and and Titus, and now Domitian. Uh, you know that's that's taking place um, for the, the the Christians, and yet at the same time, this is ongoing. This is not mm-hmm. just the first century. Um, this, this continues on. But what's interesting then is when we get to verse 8, it says, The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to arise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. Again, not jumping too fast into chapter 20, 
but uh, isn't that what we have in chapter 20 with, you know, Satan um, put into the bottomless pit mm-hmm. and then he comes up and then he's destroyed. And yet this is not Satan. This is the kingdoms of the world. This is Babylon. This is, you know, all of that, which shows us that, again, everything throughout this book is typological. So the, the, the Satan is the god of this age. He is the, you know, so he is the one that is, is working through these governments. He is the one that's working through these, these false religions there. And, uh, you know, he, he saw was and is not and is about to rise. Where have we heard that before? The God who was and is and is to come. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, this is this is taking us back to the false trinity uh, there, um, and uh, and so uh, you know later on in this we we find out that you know there's in verse ten seven kings five of whom have fallen one is the other has not yet come and when he does he must remain. <clears throat> and people are like, okay, you know, which which emperor is this? And and, and we, you know, got all this stuff going on with the emperors. I would say that this is not uh, a, a king, but it is kingdoms. Uh, these are the empires, and what empires have have come and gone by this time, and and, and what it is. So you had the Egyptian, mm-hmm. okay, and then you had the Assyrian, then you had the Babylonian. Then you had the Persian, and, and then the Greeks, and which one now is Rome? Rome, <laughs> Rome, exactly. So, so we have Rome, and then we have what is to come, which is, uh, you know, the kingdoms, the, the empires that will come, you know, after that, uh, as well. And so, you, and then you have the seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is uh, that that's not, and yet the beast then has an eighth. But it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. Right? So it's like, wait a minute. You know, uh, I think that my sermon title on this was uh, when, um, when, when five equals seven uh, equals eight equals... You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, well, you know, we, we get totally yeah, lost confusing. In, in all of that, unless you understand that this is talking about the kingdoms of the world and who controls those kingdoms of the world. So who is this eighth? You know, is this an eighth emperor? No, this is Satan. Hmm. He is, it, it, this goes back again to chapter 13, where the dragon is the one who's giving the power to the kingdoms of the world and to the religions of the world, okay? And, uh, and, and, and then you have the 10 horns, the 10 kings. Uh, again, the number 10 being the, the, that number of, of completion uh, that is all uh, you know. All the kingdoms uh, of the world, all the kings of the world, um, that are underneath sort of the empire, um, but they hate the empire, and yet they long for the empire. Okay, there's this love-hate relationship uh, that goes on. And they're one mind and one hand, and power and authority. Uh, they give it to the beast, right? Uh, and, and yet, as they give it to the beast. Um, we see later on in verse uh, 16 that the ten horns that you saw hate the prostitute. <laughs> this is a love-hate relationship between Rome and the other kingdoms of the world. They, they love the power, they love the authority, they hate the church, and yet they hate, in the, the other sense, they want to be the power. They want to be the authority. And so, you know, 
it's, it's, it's this constant struggle in the world. It's the United States against China, against Russia, against, you know, uh, whatever. It's the, um, uh, you know, all the, the world nations uh, that, that gather together and they love the United States because we have the money and the resources and all that stuff and they hate us. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that, that's really what you have going on here. And so Rome becomes the type then of all the kingdoms, of this, the, the one that is to come, which are all the, the, the kingdoms that will come after Rome. All right. Uh, and the nations there. So that's really what chapter 17 is uh, all about. And, uh, and, and they all have one mind uh, in verse 17. They all have one mind handing over their royal power to the beast until the works of, uh, words of God are fulfilled. Uh, you know, until the end of time. Uh, and so this will be continuous. The dragon draws the people in, the, uh, the, the governments and institutions of, of the world and the religions of the world and all the kings and kingdoms of the world, they have really, all of them, have one goal, to destroy the church, hmm. okay? to fight against God, uh, to reject him. And so whoever's the, the great authority, you know, the great power at that time, they get, you know, they they get these other kingdoms of the world, you know, assisting them, but ultimately for what purpose? Hmm. You know, not because they love them, because they really hate them, because they want their own power, um, but because they hate the church worse. Gotcha. Which brings us to chapter 18 in the fall of Babylon. The second fall of Babylon, right? Uh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yes. So Babylon has already fallen. Yeah. Uh, back in chapter 15. That was just a, a, the first fall, though. Yes. Uh, and, and, and now we have, we have the second fall uh, of Babylon. Um, he, just, he just tripped the first yes. Yeah, it's a minor fall. Yeah, this is a serious fall. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so this is uh, this is again this is this is um, when you are in the midst of the persecution when, when you're uh, when you're being targeted, uh, you know whether you're in China, you're Cuba, okay, or you're in the United States. Now look at what Canada's doing mm-hmm. um, to uh, to the Christians in the churches, and, and the United States is is following in their footstep. Um, when you're in the midst of that. And, uh, you know, you're being dragged into court over, you know, the transgender movement or whatever. Yeah, you know, you feel totally isolated. You feel like, uh, you know, the, the world is one and, uh, and the church is dying and, uh, you know, destruction has come. You got to go to chapter 18. Hmm. You, you got to go here and you kind of see, uh, you know, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. A dwelling place for demons, a haunt for the unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird. Okay, uh, again, now this takes us back to the real Babylon. But Babylon has never been rebuilt. Saddam Hussein attempted to rebuild it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it never came about. Um, but uh, you know this this is again. If you don't know the Old Testament, you don't recognize that these phrases are coming right out of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. okay? So the original Babylon fell, okay? It was destroyed. Rome, uh, in its power, fell and, and, and was destroyed. Jerusalem fell and it was destroyed. Uh, all the kingdoms of the earth will 
uh, will fall. You know, and if the United States turns its back completely on God, it will fall. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, all the nations of the world will uh, will end up being destroyed. And so it, this is simply taking us back into the Old Testament and and using typologically the uh, the, the images that we have of Babylon in uh, in the Old Testament. All right, and so um, the you know there, there, there's the weeping when the major kingdom falls because that's where our money was coming from, you know, but then another kingdom is going to rise. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and, and this, you know, there's an ongoing cycle that's, uh, that's taking place, but ultimately Babylon is going to fall. Okay. Babylon being that, uh, prostitute, mm-hmm. the sea beast, the land beast, the dragon. Okay. Uh, everything that's that's represented by the the, the world in its uh, this uh, you know anti Christ anti God um, you know secularism that we have in the world it will fall and, mm-hmm. and and as believers we need to know that because that's what sustains us in the midst of persecution when we know that this is temporary what we're going through here on earth is is it you know. Uh, 70 and there's a reason by strength that we, we make it for 80 uh, but that's it mm-hmm. and it's, it's over this is this is a, a tiny speck our lives are tiny specks in terms of eternity mm-hmm. and so when we know the final chapter then why do we get so upset about all the things that are happening in the world around us mm-hmm. right just Know that God has it all in control, and He's already laid it out, and it's it's done in terms of God's history. It's done, even though in our history, um, it's the already but not yet mm-hmm. uh, concept there. And so, um, you know, the, uh, the the Babylon falls, and you know. We could get into all the the different uh, images that are are given for this, but that's the ultimate thing. I mean, the no matter what kingdom you're a part of, the United States of America, you know, China is now on the rise and and you know wanting to become the world power. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. When like the Canaanites. Their wickedness rises up to the level where God says, "Okay, that's it. You know, you're gone," and and then they're going to be gone. You know, for Babylon it was seventy years, and God said, "That's enough. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 I'm done with you." Uh, and that's what we have to keep in mind that that seventy years um, being uh, the, the number seven, the, the you know times the number ten. That's the that's the perfection of of, of God's. Uh, plan and purpose hmm. being carried out for each of those uh, empires and states, and you know they've come and they've gone. We saw back in in chapter seventeen, they come and they go. I like that because I think a lot of people see Revelation as uh, a scary book. You know, something that uh, is telling of all this death and destruction and things that we should be scared of. But while that is true for for some folks, it's not true for the believer because we it, it's instead it's hopeful for the believer knowing that in the end uh 
we will be victorious through Christ and the things of this world will be destroyed and defeated. Absolutely. Which, you know, Peter really pushes this when he says, you know, we are aliens and strangers in this land. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we don't we don't belong here, mm-hmm. but we are here because we are, as Paul says, we're the ambassadors. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we, we are here to, to to showcase God's kingdom in the midst of the world. And unfortunately, when we walk in fear, and, and again, this is where I, I love the post millennial concept. You <laughs> this know. is exactly what I'm thinking yeah, about too. <laughs> I, I do because you know they they stress the fact that. The church shouldn't hide. We should not be scared. We shouldn't be crawling away into some corner, someplace, and, and going, "Woe is me!" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if the early church had done that, I mean, remember they did, right? Yeah. When Jesus when when, when Jesus died, they're all cowering, and you know, when are they going to come knocking on our door? Mm-hmm. You know, and they got the door locked and and everything else, and Jesus walks into their midst, and they walk out of there rejoicing yeah. and, and and then when persecution comes it says and they, they were filled with joy that they got to suffer for the name mm-hmm. okay so uh, you know it, it just frustrates me that the church thinks that it's it, it's a defeated uh thing in this world but i hope i get to go to heaven yeah uh, you know now we are to be the kingdom here on earth and we're to be taking territory mm-hmm. uh, for that kingdom yep so all right, so that takes us into Revelation 19, which gets us into the marriage supper of the Lamb, of course. But before that, it talks about uh, the rejoicing that we hear in heaven. So can you uh, go through that for us a little bit? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, look at the contrast between chapter 18. Everybody's weeping and everybody is sorrowful. You know, Babylon is fallen and and all the riches and all the wealth and all those kind of things. You know, the ships are sinking and and everything is going bad. And then we open up on chapter nineteen. Yeah, and it's like, what are you guys? You know, look at what we've got. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, we've got riches that you can't imagine. Yeah. You know? All the riches of God in Christ Jesus are ours, and there's just celebration. Mm. Uh, our worship services should be that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have to we have to talk about the world. We have to we have to prepare our people to meet you know trials and tribulations. But as we do that, we have to to, to showcase the power and the glory and the wonder of of God. You know, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. And, and that just needs to, to roll out, not in the way that we see uh, a, a lot of the worship services today, you know, it's, it's built on music. Mm-hmm. And it's like, let's crank the people up. Let's get them you know, really going. And then we'll give them a positive message from the Bible and, and, and that. That's not what this is. Mm-hmm. This is a recognition of the absolute sovereignty of God and his glory and his majesty in the midst of, uh, of that brokenness and knowing that he is the judge of the whole earth so that no matter what happens to us, we can be beaten and tossed into a prison and we're going to sing songs and, and we're going to pray and we're going to celebrate and the chains are going to fall off and the, the gates are going to open. It, the kingdom of the world cannot overcome the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Hmm. And so, you know, the, uh, the, the rejoicing in 
um, <clears throat> in the judgments. Here's another thing, and again, not to do too many of these rabbit trail sidetracks, but when there's when judgment happens, in other words, a tornado, a, a, you know, massive tornadoes, uh, uh, hurricanes. Um, the, these natural disasters uh, that happen, war, uh, you know, even crime and all those kind of things. We should weep as, as Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's no question we should be weeping. But at the same time, we should not say these things are not the judgments of God. They are the judgments of God. And we need to recognize that, uh, you know... <clears throat> In verse 3, hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Uh, recognizing if you are going to rebel against God, if you know whether it's a nation or whether it's an individual, you will face the wrath of God. And I'll tell you, when we end up in heaven, there's not going to be one tear that's going to be shed for those who are in hell. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be. God is not going to be shedding a tear over them. He's now... He's calling, he's, he's calling for the people to come. But when we see God in his glory, in, in the perfection of that, and we see the people, which we won't see them, I don't think, but if we saw the people in hell, they're not going to be doing what the rich man was doing. They're not going to be saying, oh, you know, please go out and witness to my lost brothers and, and whatever. They're going to be cursing God. And all the way through the, the, this book, that's what happens. Every time suffering comes, every time hardship comes, it's, it's, it's cursing God. There's, there's no repentance. And when we see the perfection of God and the glory of God and these people who refuse, even in eternity, to, to bow the knee and reject him. Um, people have, have often said to me, why, you know, why do people get cast into hell for all of eternity for the sins that they committed here on earth? And I'm like, no, they're not in hell for all of eternity because of the sins they commit here. They go to hell because of the sins they committed here because of the rebellion against God. But they remain in hell because they will not repent. Mm-hmm. Because they will stand in, in, in the hardness of their heart, just like Satan does. Satan knows he's defeated. <clears throat> Has he ever repented? It's the unrepentant heart that keeps people in hell. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on, um, we, we, we have you know these the celebrations. Praise our God, all you his servants who... You who fear him, small and great. And that, that just makes me think of Paul's words when he says, knowing the terror of God. Um, most translations say fear of God, but it's, it's you know, the, the phobos. It's the, the terror of God. Knowing the terror of God, we compel men and women, boys and girls, to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, it's, you know, we don't, we don't have the fear of condemnation. But we know the power of God, and we know what's, what's going to happen to people. And, uh, and so we pray for our loved ones, and we, we witness to our loved ones, and we witness to our neighbors, and we send out missionaries based upon the fact that they're, you know, those people are going to spend eternity mm-hmm. suffering because of their rebellion, and, and we need to witness to them. Um, and, and then we come to this marriage supper, 
right? And this is this is fantastic um, because this is uh, this is the, the bride coming to the groom. Uh, this is this is Old Testament and New Testament um, all the way through. Israel is presented as the bride of uh, of God, um, and, and of course as the harlot, the prostitute, it turns against him as well. Um, and, and then the church is is seen as the bride um, of Christ, uh, but we are espoused to him. We are not yet married in the fullness of that. Um, we have the guarantee, that's what an espousal does, it guarantees mm-hmm. the marriage, but the house hasn't been finished yet. The house where the the, the the uh, the the groom has already you know is married to the the bride, but he can't go to her until he has finished the house where they're going to dwell, hmm. and that's why Jesus says, you know, I'm I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? That's that that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I am your your groom, and I'm going to prepare the place so that you can be with me forever. Mm. All right, and that's what this is. And the, the you know the the marriage uh, has come, and uh, they they're dressed in these the, the white outfits and and all, um, you know, at the supper. And again, notice it's the supper of the lamb. It's not the supper of the lion. It's the supper of the lamb. They've been redeemed uh, through him. Uh, and and so this this is. You know, is this the end of time? Is this the, the final culmination uh, of all things? If we're doing this in a chronological sequence, as I uh, indicated before, um, then that means that the marriage takes place before the Battle of Armageddon. Hmm. Okay, we can't take this in a, in a chronological sequence. But at the same time, um, we are in. You know, we are fully espoused to Him, and when we enter into heaven, uh, we join with this this, this group. Uh, this is uh, Hebrews 12, you know, where we, we join with all the saints that are gathered around the throne uh, in Mount Zion and, and, and celebrate uh, with him. Which takes us down to the rider on a white horse. And it, it doesn't take long for us to figure out that this is Jesus Christ. Right. Um, but the, the question is, is he going to come out of heaven on a white horse um, with you know all of the saints um, that have been resurrected, okay, <clears throat> um, you know, because when he comes, the dead in Christ will rise uh, first and and, and join um, with uh, uh, you know the dead in Christ. You know they come first, and then we who are alive and remain join them, right? So uh, you know is he is he coming down, and then we all get white horses too, and we get our white robes, and we're coming down with our swords behind him, and and we're going to meet those uh, you know those two hundred thousand or two hundred million that are coming across the Euphrates River, and we're going to fight with them, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is back to chapter twelve, where you know did Michael and, and the angels actually have a you know sword fight uh, in heaven, <laughs> you know, to cast out, uh, and, and the answer is no. Yeah. Um, if you notice. All the destruction here. There's there, there's no there's only one sword um, that uh, that destroys them, and it's the sword that comes out of his mouth, mm. uh, the word of his mouth. Uh, he rules them with a rod of iron, treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. Um, and of course, this is uh, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is the word of the gospel that uh, that 
you know, destroys them. And, and so this, this, this battle that is taking place, is this battle an actual physical battle? And I, I would say, you know, no. Uh, this is back to Armageddon, which we talked about before. Um, it's, it's, you know, Mount Carmel and Elijah uh, against the, the prophets of Baal. Um, it's the word. It's the word of God that is destroying um, the, the powers, you know, first freeing those who are the elect and uh, at the same time decimating um, the world. It is, it's, it's the judgment that comes against the world because they have rebelled uh, against God. And the, the thing is, if you look at this, right, you have the, the false prophet, verse 20, the beast captured the false prophet, um, and, and they are thrown uh, in, alive into the lake of the fire that burns with sulfur. Okay, so that makes it appear like they are two people. Right, I mean it's it, it, that that's what we get until we get to chapter twenty, and we have death in Hades, mm-hmm. you know, cast alive into the lake of fire, and, and and you know, so is there actually a grim reaper, you know, that goes down through the earth and you know collects us all and and does that? So there's actually a a, a real person called death, and <laughs> we have a real person, you know. To, the, the Greeks were right, uh, there is a Hades. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's uh, the, the god of the underworld who uh, you know, uh, you know, no, um, the, you know, this is this is um, you know the, the the casting of the the powers of the world, okay, that are in every human being. When we submit to the world's culture, when we listen to the the, the, the words of of the enemy. Um, then we've been captured by the, the false prophet. We've been captured by uh, the, uh, the, quote, Antichrist, the beast there. And, uh, and you know, so we're, you know, if we rebel, then we are cast in and cast in alive um, to the, the lake of fire, uh, you know, for all of eternity, um, that remains. So um, I would strongly suggest that this is not uh, a, a, a physical battle. And yet it is a physical battle. What do I mean by that? It's wars, rumors of wars. It's, it's you know, the, the destructive powers of, of God. It's his judgments that, that take lives day after day, year after year, century after century. Um, you know, the, the harvest was talked about uh, earlier. Uh, this is this is the, the taking of that, and 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 when we get to the end, verse twenty one, and the rest were slain by the sword. That's everybody, hmm. everybody. When we finish this chapter, there's nobody left, except for the saints that are with the marriage. Okay. But there's nobody else left. So how does chapter 20 then follow? Hmm. Okay. If, if chapter 20 is the millennium and, you know, then there's going to be uh, another battle at the end of time and, and there are going to be all those wicked people that, uh, that are still going to be here after a thousand-year reign and, and all of that. Where did they come from? Did God recreate a bunch of people 
to populate the uh, the the Earth for the millennium? Well, if I remember correctly, um, what the dispensational premillennialist said is that there are saved actual physical people on the Earth when this happens who will continue to have babies and and there will continue to be actual regular people on earth and that the generations that come after the people who were originally here on earth will fall away and so after all of the evil people have been you know purged from the earth the first time then more well i guess somehow i don't know how they would fall away when the beast and well, they have there. been defeated. <laughs> I just know that 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 they have fallen away somehow, and then that's where they they came from, in the end. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so so, uh, and, and and that's a great lead into this because the 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 beast and the false prophet and the dragon, according to the opening of this, are all gone. Hmm. They're not on the earth. Okay. Right for this thousand-year period of time, they're not in the earth. Who's leading the people astray? Okay, there, there's nobody left. You know, Satan's not around. Mm-hmm. Okay, he and his his hordes have been locked away. The the uh, you know the, the kingdoms of the world and the religions of the world are gone. And now, and all the sinful people in general, the, and all the, yeah, yeah, people, all the sinners, have, here. you know, <laughs> the, the rest have been, uh, you know, they've they yeah. been destroyed. So, but also, when 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 Jesus returns, you know, even if we're we're buying into to that scenario, the dead in Christ rise, mm-hmm. and, and and that's a resurrection, and they are transformed. Okay, they they are now in these in their spiritual um, bodies, all right. And again, when we say spiritual bodies, uh, yeah, I, I have to always remind people that we're not talking about spirits or ghosts kind of things. We're talking about something that's you know a thousand times uh, what our bodies are. Mm-hmm. You know, a thousand dimensions of uh, you know, it's just incredible. Uh, we did talk about that before, mm-hmm. so. Um, They've, they've been transformed. But it also says that those of us who remain, you know, who are alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up together with them. Mm. So that means that even the people who are alive when Jesus comes back, that are believers, they have been, res- they've been taken up and they've been transformed in the twinkling of an eye. Mm-hmm. So every single person that's on the face of the earth that comes down to reign with Jesus Christ, okay, all the wicked are gone. Every single person that's on the earth is a transformed individual. Hmm. How are they going to have kids? They're not going to have kids because there's no marriage in heaven, right? Because we're like the angels. So how are they going to have kids? So does that mean that these transformed individuals then are going to rebel? And of course they can't, right? Because they've been perfected, right? So they can't rebel. Yeah. All right. So anyway, <laughs> uh, those those are the 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 fun things um, in these debates um, that the, that we can have.
But right. anyway, let's let's talk about what this really is talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, the, this angel comes down from heaven, holding his his hand, the key to the bottomless pit and the great chain, and seizes the dragon, and you know, binds him and, and, and casts him in um, to this pit for uh, a, a thousand years. Yeah. So okay. now we're in we're in the big we're in Revelation twenty now. Yes. So we're tackling the the big one here. So um, so he's he, he, he's put away. Right, um, and and under uh, you know the uh, particularly dispens- uh, the dispensational, um, but even the historic uh, pre mill, um, this is this is Satan taken out of his ability to affect the earth in any possible way. Mm-hmm. But we just indicated that if that's true, there's nobody left to uh, deceive the nations. Because remember, even if even if the other governments are still there, even if the religion, you know, religious people are still there, who empowers them? <clears throat> the dragon. Mm-hmm. It's the dragon that empowers them and gives them the power to be able to deceive um, the, the, the the people. And if he's gone, they don't have the power anymore. They don't have the power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, that becomes a problem. So so what is what is going on here? And from the Amil position, uh, we we say that Satan was bound by Jesus when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and um, was coronated, and Satan was kicked out. Okay, um, and and he was he was bound, but how was he bound? Um, well, it says so that he could not deceive the nations any longer. Right up until the coming of Jesus Christ. The only influence in the world, in terms of all the nations of the world, the only influence was the Middle East, it was Israel, okay? Um, and, and Satan controlled all the rest. They were all in darkness. Jesus comes and, you know, the gospel goes, you know, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The gospel now has been able to go, and the angel proclaims the eternal gospel. The messenger proclaims the eternal gospel to all the earth, to everyone. So Satan's ability to keep the rest of the world, except for you know those that are influenced by Israel uh, under the old covenant, to keep the rest of the world blinded, um, is is no longer in effect. Now the gospel can go to all the nations of the world. Now, that doesn't mean he's not still not deceiving. He is. Um, he's, you know, we still have the, the kingdoms, uh, you know, of the world, the governments and the, the false religions. So this is not saying that, that no human being is going to be deceived, but the power to deceive the nations, not just people, but to deceive the nations, that is to keep the rest of the nations in, the, in his darkness, that is no longer in effect. That has been overcome. So then, my my question, and the verses kind of lead into this, is then then what is that release for a little while at the end of his, his captivity? All right, we'll come to that in uh, okay. because that comes uh, again and it's described at the end of the chapter. Okay, 
<clears throat> all right, so let's let's deal with uh, with what comes before that. Okay, and then and then that. Then I saw the thrones and seated on those those those, those given authority to judge uh, was committed, and and the souls of those who had beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God and all of that. Okay, so um, again, not to pick on the Left Behind series, but uh, you know, there's going to be the reinstitution of the guillotine. And that's how they're going to kill, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a bunch of the people, right? All Christians are going to have their heads chopped off. Yeah. Um, you know, great, um, but that's really not what this is talking about, okay? Under Roman law, who could not be crucified? Romans. Right. Roman citizens. Mm-hmm. How are Roman citizens killed? Beheaded. Okay, okay. Okay, so if you were a citizen, it was a it was a fast event. You know, you put your head in the, the chopping block, and your head goes off. Mm. Okay, so what is this telling us? Right, this is telling us that those who were citizens of the kingdom of God, who died, are now reigning. Okay, so this is this is this is to those uh, individuals in. You know, again, written to those in under the Roman rule who understand that law. We don't understand it because that's not how we're killed today. Yeah. But they understood that it's talking about citizenship here. If you were a citizen, you're beheaded. If you were anything else, you weren't. And so, the, you know, Paul gets beheaded, Peter gets crucified upside down. Hmm. All right. So, uh, you know, you could not, uh, you know, destroy, uh, torment, torture uh, those that were Roman citizens. If you remember at Philippi, when, uh, when, when Paul is beaten and tossed into the jail and they get up the next morning and they say, ah, I've released those guys. And Paul says, uh-uh. Yeah. You guys aren't getting away with this. Yeah. And they come crawling before uh, you know, him and Silas. Mm-hmm. They come crawling before him because he's a Roman citizen. And they are a Roman enclave that is, you know, they were a, a retirement center for, um, you know, Roman soldiers and all. Mm-hmm. And not all those Roman soldiers were citizens. Oh, oh, I didn't know that part. Oh, no. No. You, you had to purge it. Remember the centurion when Paul is, is arrested in Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're a Roman citizen? And he says, it cost me a huge amount huh. to become a Roman citizen. Paul says, I was born that way. And the guy goes, what? Interesting, <laughs> you know? interesting. Okay, so not to get too sidetracked on yeah. that, but but they understood that, mm-hmm. okay? So when they're reading this, it's not even an issue for them. They know that, that, that it's talking about citizenship. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's us who, you know, are couple millennia away from that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, you know, we're trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. All right, so these are the, the and, and then it says in the souls, and you know, big deal is made of well, souls can be you know people or they can be you know the spirit. It, it all depends. I'm going to argue that this goes back to chapter uh, six, where the souls are under the um, uh, you know under the altar, mm-hmm. and they're crying out, you know, when are you going to bring your judgment? Okay, and where are they? Okay, that's the, the the souls that are underneath Christ in his his blood um, that are saved. But now, where are they? They're seated on the thrones. Okay, that's the already, but the not yet. They're, they 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 those saints are already with Christ. 
They've not yet been um, given, you know, the new bodies. That doesn't happen until the, the resurrection. But they are already reigning with Christ mm. uh, there. And so they came to life, and they reigned with Christ. Um, and this is the first resurrection. And this is where the, uh, again, within the dispensational and the historic premill um, perspectives, they uh, they say the first resurrection is uh, the resurrection of the people uh, before the millennium, mm. okay, or before the tribulation, um, and that's the first resurrection. And then there's going to be a second resurrection, but, mm. and that's going to be you know at the end of the millennium, okay. That's the second resurrection. Uh, no, this first resurrection is the resurrection of. It's, through uh, of the souls of of us as we enter into the presence of Christ, mm-hmm. um, and, and so we're there. Um, this is not the new birth. Some Amil uh, people say this is this is a new birth, um, but it's not the new birth. It is that, that we have been raised with Christ through His His blood, and you know when when we are beheaded, that is when we die for the sake of the gospel or die as believers. Um, then, then we are absent from the body. We're present with the Lord, mm. and that's our resurrection. And and therefore, the second death has no power over them. Okay, um, because they are already in the presence of Christ. So, you know, to, we can't be cast into hell, mm. and, and that's what the uh, the second death is. So we have, you know, first resurrection has to do with our first death. Okay, um, and the the the, the uh, first death <laughs> has to do with dying, physical dying. Um, then the first resurrection is is has to do with that first death. When, when we die, we it's it's not really death. When we die, we enter into the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. When they die, it's preparation for the second death, right? Which is the final uh, judgment. Gotcha. All right, and, and then we have the the problem of the thousand years. And uh, again, if you if you're doing numerology, if you're following the numerology, then the number one thousand is ten times ten times ten, or you know the absolute uh, fullness of the time. Um, of uh, you know, I, I would argue that you know we're talking about the time of Christ's ascension into heaven and uh, his second coming. Uh, and that's the period uh, that's uh, that's being described here. Um, so we are, you know, when, when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. We're reigning with Him until all of His enemies are are put under His foot. Okay, death being that final one, um, where we have the 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 true resurrection, the final resurrection, or mm. the second resurrection. Uh, there. All right. Um, and and then we come to Satan being led out of his prison and deceiving the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Uh, okay, and and again, when you're talking Gog and Magog, you got to go back to the Old Testament, and you got it. You have to uh, understand uh, what that is, and that's uh, the you know the nations that um, you know are are talked about um, in Ezekiel, and it's it, it back then it was an actual nation. Is the king and an actual nation, and it becomes representative or the typological for uh, all the kings of the world, mm-hmm. not just Babylon, not just you know 
um, Assyria or whatever. Um, but since Gog and Magog, you know, historically there's, you know, they weren't in themselves a, a I mean, they were a, a small nation, but they aren't, uh, they're not seen as that. They're seen as sort of like, um, you know, this, this ethereal power that's out there, you know, ruled mm. over by this ethereal king. Um, so it becomes a type there okay. of the nations of the world. And it's all the nations of the world. It's all the kingdoms of the world. And so um, Satan then in his, uh, you know, in terms of this release uh, for this little while, this is, he, he's, he's been not able to deceive the nations any longer because the gospel can go out. But there is coming a time when the gospel has reached all and at that time, then all of Satan's power is at its peak. Okay. And even as all the all the saved. All right. And that's that's what this is talking about. So all the kingdoms of the world now have fully set themselves uh, because the gospel has come to them, and they've fully rebelled against that gospel. Other than those that are, are being saved within that community, um, and so now he is he now has all the nations again under his control in that sense. Okay. So his his being released is really just the full rebellion because he has the opportunity now since the gospel has gone forth to the entire world now has he has the opportunity to oppose it in all of the world is that is that am I understanding well, that right? Uh, yes, what I'm uh, what I'm saying is that um, you know, Satan is the god of the, uh, of this age, and unless you're going to say that the millennial age is not part of this age, um, you know, he's he's the god of this age. Uh, but in terms of deceiving the nations, right? Until the gospel goes to all of those nations, then um, you know the 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 fullness of his power is not uh, you know fully restored. The gospel has to go to all of the nations. And, and, and so when all the elect have, you know, that are going to be saved are saved, um, then everything else is under his power. Okay. Right? Um, now, again, we got to remember, this is, a, this is typological, and it takes us back to, uh, to um, when, it, uh, under the trumpets, remember the opening of the pit? Mm -hmm. And all those demonic forces come out of the pit? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, there's there's nothing that says that they're ever put back into the pit, is there? No, they're out there floating around. Yeah, <laughs> the demonic powers are. So Satan is put in there. The dragon is put in there. Um, but does that include all of all of his you know forces and and, and whatever? Right. Um, well, in that that sense, um, you know what what is the pit? Again. I want to get into all demonology and, and, and all those things. But Second Peter and Jude tell us that when the angels fell, they were stripped of their bodies. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they were and therefore they were in that sense, they're in the abyss. Uh, that's that's what we're told. Okay. Um, but their spirits, all right, are are free in the midst of the world. And that includes Satan. Satan does not have a physical body, um, and more than the angels do. Their, their, their spirits are present in the world, and that's why they have to take over 
a body in order to be able to accomplish something. Okay, mm -hmm. so they're influencers. All right. So when it's, it's talking about you know Satan being you know bound, well, what are they binding? Are they binding you know his his spirit because his body uh, you know the angelic body is already chained, uh, according to Second Peter and, and Jude. So what does that mean? And, and, and that's what Jesus says, you know, I saw Satan fall from heaven. Um, you know, and he talks about the people that were, were you know, um, the, the captives that are being released uh, from, you know, the chains of, uh, of Satan and, and those kind of things. That's the, uh, that's, you know, he's, he's still influencing the world, but he's not able to stop the gospel from spreading, which is, is what he was doing before. But when it, when all the nations of the world and all the peoples and all the tongues, when when there's the gospel has gone through all of that, um, then he retains the power over all uh, of those that are lost, and that's that, that you know, and, and so they come again in that sense, and you know that's the full battle against uh, against the righteous. That's that that ends this chapter. Um, <clears throat> but he is then, you know, uh, thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are, um, there. But also again, notice that, that, um, down a, a little bit farther, we have death and Hades as they give up the dead in them. And then they are cast into the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. And that's the second death, you know, that, uh, that, that's hell. Uh, so again, this is typological. This is not, you know, a, a physical binding of of the dragon. You know, they've got to send down. You know, by the way, also when when Michael confronts uh, Satan, right? How, how does he overcome him? The scripture says even Michael did not fight him, but said, "The Lord rebuke you." Hmm. Okay, so even Michael would, would not be, you know, if, if this was a physical battle, you know, um, at, at the beginning of the chapter, it says, you know, the angel goes down and, and, and captures him and, and, you know, does that. Um, even Michael wouldn't be strong enough to do that. Hmm. So who is binding him? Well, who's the angelos? It's the messenger, and who's the messenger is Christ. And it's, it's the word of Christ that binds Satan. I I uh I don't want to jump too far ahead here. I'm I'm looking at the last couple of verses where you're where you're talking about how death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and that is the second death, right? So death being thrown into the lake of fire, being thrown into the lake of fire is the second death, correct? But then right after that in verse 15, people who were not found written in the book of life were then thrown into the lake of fire where presumably they experienced death. But in the verse right beforehand, death was thrown into the lake of fire. So they couldn't have experienced death because death had already died. So that was just a interesting inconsistency that stuck out to me since we're going through it. Okay. No inconsistency. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but, I, but I, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the uh, there is at the end of time, there is a full resurrection 
of both believers and unbelievers. Okay. Okay. Um, the unbelievers will have a body, a spiritual body, just as believers will have a spiritual body. And that's why um, Jesus says, you know, don't fear man who can kill the body and after that can do no more, but fear him who can cast both body and soul into hell. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, it, you know, in the, at the, the, the final trumpet, all dead will rise. Okay? So death is overcome. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. All dead will rise. So death is, is defeated. Hades is defeated uh, at that point. There's, there, there will be no more dying, um, you know, on this, uh, on this earth. Mm-hmm. Right? And so there's no more graves for people to go into uh, there. So now they're, they're at the judgment and you've got the sorting of the sheep and the goats and the goats are being cast uh, into the lake of, of fire, into that final um, abode mm-hmm. for those who have rebelled uh, against him. So it, again, it, it comes back to that typological, what does, what does that represent? And death is the final enemy, right? Mm-hmm. That, that has to be put under Christ's feet, 1 Corinthians 15. That's, that's the final enemy. Um, and so when, when that trumpet blast sounds and, and, and you know, the, uh, every human being is, is raised in a spiritual body, okay? And again, when we're talking spiritual body, we're not talking about, you know, righteous body. We're just talking about what uh, an eternal, immortal a body will be, um, there is no more death. And so death has been cast into the, the lake of fire in that sense. Uh, again, not that it's physically, there is a death person, mm-hmm. but death is, is destroyed. There is no, it, it has no more power. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. <clears throat> Which brings us to... Chapter 21. All right, we made it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chapter 21 is, uh, it's an awesome uh, chapter, and it has uh, all kinds of uh, of great things that that go on here. We could spend ages um, in this. Oh, by the way, uh, just backing up into chapter 20, we have the white throne judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay, if we go back to chapter 4, we said God does not sit on a throne, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what is the white throne judgment? Well, white representing pure holiness and righteousness, um, throne representing the absoluteness of power and authority, and judgment, um, the, the, the final arbiter between what is right and what is wrong. The other side of that is, um, is there an actual physical judgment where you know God sits here and, and says, "Okay, let me hear what you did. Let me hear what you did. Uh, you did. Uh, oh man, you know, <clears throat> no, you, you you did evil. You you got to go that way. Oh, um, you know, you're you're a righteous person. You get to go that way. Uh, you know, is that going to happen? Well, if that's true, <clears throat> then how could they have been sealed?" Before the foundation of the world was set in place, how could their names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life? How could we say there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? How could we be reigning with him uh, in heaven um, if we still had to go through 
that kind of a judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, this comes back to typology. You know, what what is this talking about? Is there you know this actual physical uh, thing? And and uh, you know, I think the scripture is pretty clear that there's there's not going to be you know everybody standing in line waiting to hear which way they're going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has already been determined. Yeah, so um, at the resurrection, you will either be raised up to go to hell or you will be raised up to, you know, in terms of your body, to join with your spirit um, and spend eternity with God. Mm. Okay, so, um, you know, what is this, this, this judgment then? Well, it is, it is simply the final departure of, of uh, those, all human beings, either into the presence of God or into, um, you know, the eternal separation from God uh, in hell. And this is an actual chronological event that will happen after the second coming of Christ. At at the second coming of Christ. At the second coming of Christ, okay. Yes. At the second coming of Christ, um, there, you know, we, we've already had the harvest, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, back in, in uh, chapter 14, we've already had, the, in that sense, the harvests. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the judgment has already taken place. Uh, so, yes, um, we will either be, uh, you know, humanity will either be raised and enter into, into uh, the new heavens and the new earth, or we'll be uh, cast into outer darkness. Uh, and that, again, it's, it's instantaneous. It's not, you know having this this big line of, of people yeah uh, you know <laughs> that you see in some of the movies and, and yeah. all of that yep so where will we go well that's chapter 21 all right we got the new heavens and the new earth first heavens and the first is that passed away and the sea was no more and i've, I've already described uh that when i said what is the sea the sea is the chaos mm-hmm. um you know, so the, uh, the you know the 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 pre uh, Genesis one three when God says let there be light, uh, and and you have the tohu and the bohu. All right, so chaos is gone. It's 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 completely uh, destroyed. There's there, there'll be no more uh, chaotic aspects to uh, God's creation, um, which includes natural disasters. Uh, human wickedness and and, and sin, uh, you know, all of that is gone, and we, what we have is the recreation of uh, the you know the Garden of Eden, only now in its fullness uh, of, of what God was uh, was looking for. So that's it, uh, you know, in planning from the beginning. So we have this uh, this beautiful uh, description of this new heavens and no earth and this holy city, all right? And, uh, you know, there are those who hold to the holy city uh, being a, um, you know, an actual physical city coming down onto earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a hundred different reasons why that's not true uh, from this. But uh, all we have to do is is look at what it's described as. This is the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right there in, in verse 2. Okay, the, the holy city prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So everything in here then is about the bride of Christ, which is the church. And all the numerology fits that. 
okay? The walls are 144 cubits uh, wide. That's, again, back to the number 144, 12 mm-hmm. times 12. You've got the, the, uh, the, the, the gates of the city, you know, um, are the, uh, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. The foundations are the 12 apostles. Uh, you know, it's old covenant, new covenant, merged together into one. Um, you, you know, the, you enter outside of the city are those who are unbelievers. Inside the city are those who are believers. Um, you know, everything here is this description of the church. Um, under both the old covenant and new covenant merged together and, and bound together. And so um, when, we, when we look at this, uh, again, we have the one seated on the throne, um, and yet there is no actual physical throne, um, but it is God in the midst of his people. Uh, if you go back to Isaiah 6, and you, 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 know, you, you see the picture of, um, you know, in a sense, God seated on his throne in where? It's in the temple, mm-hmm. okay? Um, you know, well, where is that? <laughs> you know, where's the throne in the temple? Uh, well, it's the Ark of the Covenant is, is the throne, it's where God comes and meets with his people. So the, uh, you know, the, the, this is the, the making of all things new. So the, the new Jerusalem is simply all the people of God of all ages that, uh, you know, have, have been, you know, as, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, they're being built up into that, uh, that holy temple unto God. Um, you know, Peter, uh, you know, says that we're living stones, <clears throat> being built up into, uh, you know, in that sense, the city of God. Um, you know, we're citizens of this, uh, of this uh, city, of this kingdom. Um, he was 12, you know, Mount Zion, where, uh, where we gather with all of the saints uh, that have gone before. Uh, and outside of it, you know, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, etc. You know, and, and they're in the lake that burns uh, with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Okay, so this is obviously after that, uh, after that final judgment. And if it's after that final judgment, it can't be in the millennium. Okay, that you have this uh, this quote city uh, coming down. All right. So um, <clears throat> the uh, again, one of the seven angels had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues. Uh, says, you know, I'm going to show you the bride. All right. Again, why point out that it's one of those seven angels? Why not just like in other places it says, you know, another angel, another angel, another angel? Uh, because it's reminding us that this uh, that God has fulfilled uh, that those judgments, those final judgments are finished. They're completed. These are the last judgments. And so that means, you know, those judgments are done, and we get to um, be part then and parcel of this, uh, this you know, high mountain um, to show me the, the holy city. Do you know how high that mountain has to be if this is actual physical city? <laughs> okay, you've yeah, got to be on the moon, high. Yeah. basically. You've got to be, you know, you've got to be on the moon. There, there isn't a mountain on the earth right now that uh, that's, ex, you know, extensive enough, high enough for us to even get to the top of the walls mm-hmm. of this city, okay? So you've got to be on the moon looking down, <laughs> uh, you know, or at least up in a satellite or something yeah. uh, looking down uh, here. Again, uh, the, the typology. And then just the, the its description. Um, and the description is... is uh, of these jewels and, and everything else, it takes us back to chapter three or four, 
um, with the, uh, you know, being in that, um, the, the, the place of, of God's abode where, with his throne room and, and, and all of that. It takes us back to that. But it also takes us to back to the book of Exodus where you have the, um, the, the holy, uh, the high priest with, the, you know, him, him having the ephod and, and the 12 uh, stones. Mm-hmm. And nine of these, uh, these stones are stones from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So wh- why not all of them? Well, because it's, we have the old covenant and the new covenant um, combined here. Right, and, and as you go on, you know he, he measures it all out. So uh, this, uh, you know, the, the modern translation, some of them uh, put this into, uh, you know, United States, uh, you know, numbers of mm-hmm. miles and, and and that kind of stuff. It doesn't work. You have to stay with the twelve, uh, you know, thousand stadia because it's twelve times the number one thousand. Mm-hmm. And, and we've already talked about, uh, you know, what that is when we looked at the sixteen hundred stadia. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if that was that big, how big is this, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Um, and it's it's length and its widths and heights are equal. Well, it is that that's the holy of holies. Okay. So um, you know this is the holy of holies. This is the place where God meets with with His people. This is the temple. This is the true temple. Um, and, and what is the true temple? It's it's us. It's the believers um, there. And so when we get to chapter twenty two, there is no temple. Why not? Um, because God's in the midst of His people. Um, so. Uh, you know, so as, as you look through this, I mean, we could go through, you know, all the different stones and the meanings of, of those stones and all. Uh, but there in verse 22, I saw no temple in the city. Its temple is the Lord, the Almighty and the Lamb. Um, no need for sun, moon uh, to shine. Uh, the glory of God gives its light. All right. Now, are we talking about there's not going to actually be in the new heavens and new earth? There's not going to be any sun. There's not going to be any moon. There's not going to be anything uh, like that. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about, um, you know, God's Shekinah glory, uh, his, his presence that illuminates everything. Before, um, you know, before the sun and the moon existed in Genesis 1, God spoke, said, let there be light, and there was light. Mm. Okay? So you, you don't need those things to be able to see the light of the glory of God. Uh, and that's what this is talking about. But notice that his gates are never shut, um, and there will be no night there, okay? Uh, book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, that when it comes dark, you shut these gates because you got to keep those, uh, those uh, you know, merchants and stuff outside, okay? Um, but this, this one has no, um, no gate, uh, you know, or the... At least the gates are, are open, um, and and you know what's coming into it. All right, uh, the kings of the earth are bringing their glory into it again. Isaiah uh, chapter two verses two and three. You know they're bringing their glory uh, into it. But are, are we talking about the wicked kings? Are we talking about the the the, the you know the the chapter thirteen? Uh, you know governments and, and and kings and and all that stuff. No, we this is. Right, exactly. This is this is the righteous, and who are the kings? We have been made uh, kings and priests unto our God. Mm. Okay, um, and, and so we're going to bring God's glory um, into it. 
and nothing unclean will enter it, um, you know, there on the outside. All right. So does that make sense? Yes. And I wanted to, uh, this is something that, uh, I apologize for the, uh, lawnmower. The grass has to be cut. Okay. Uh, but, uh, this is something when you were going through your sermon series really hit it home for me when you were talking about the size of the city and how if we were to take this literally as a uh, city that would be here on our physical earth, that would just be insanity because of the measurements. And I pulled up 12,000 stadia uh, just now, and it's a little over 7 million feet high. Yeah. And Mount Everest, it says is thirty thousand feet. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're talking a city we're, we're, that's we're, seven million feet. Yeah. So we're talking yeah. uh, well over five thousand yeah. miles high. Yeah. You know, and like you said, you know, Everest is five miles high. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. Okay. It's a pretty tall city. <laughs> yeah. About as tall as it gets. Yeah. You know, and it's tall and it's wide and yeah. You know, it's, it's it's so it. The only place that you could put that city would be over uh, in uh, Asia and Europe because it would not fit in the United States. Hmm. It's crazy, right? you know, or three three thousand miles or so wide. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 wider than the whole United States. Bigger, you know. Yeah, in this cube as one big city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which brings us to our final chapter. We made it. Wow! <laughs> All right, so you know what do we what do we have in chapter twenty two? All right, so we have this city, um, and it's it's a you know gorgeous city, and it's it's a wonderful uh, place there. And then um, we we open up to chapter twenty two, and we have this river. It's water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Well, where do we see that? You didn't see it in Revelation, but you did see it in Ezekiel. <clears throat> there is this little stream that starts from the temple, and then it goes out from the temple, and then it gets wider and wider and wider until it's so wide that you can't cross it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, all right. But it also takes us back to Eden. In Eden, there was one river, and after it left Eden, it divides into four rivers, mm-hmm. basically going north, east, south, and west. Um, and uh, so, and that's that's to be the life flow coming out of Eden that is now to spread to the whole world. That's the image that we get um, there. Uh, here we have this river, um, and it's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, but it's not a narrow little one. It is now the full-blown uh, river. Yeah, and, and again, uh, if we're going to make this literal, and we're going to have the literal city, um, so uh, we've got a 5,000-mile-high, 5,000-mile-wide city, but we've only got one river. Uh, you know, <laughs> on what level uh, you know, is, is this river? Yeah. Um, and then it's, where is it flowing? Through the middle of the streets of the city, so now you know we've just become Venice. We're yeah. gonna, you know we're going to get around in canoes and there you go. Uh, you know whatever. Um, you know it, it's through the the uh, middle of the street of the city. Um, so this is this is the Garden of Eden. Hmm. Okay, you've got the river flowing through the Garden of Eden. It's refreshing um, that garden, 
And uh, you don't need more than one river because it's already fulfilled its purpose. All right, the glory of God is covered. Uh, the earth is the, the waters cover the seas. And it's uh, the tree of life, um, which has 12 kinds of fruit, um, you know, yielding its fruit each month. But we don't have the sun and we don't have the moon, so how do we have months? That's a good question. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, what? It, again, you have to ask yourself, what are the points of all these? The leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Um, you know, what, what is the point of, of describing all this? Well, it's, it's again, takes us back to the Garden of Eden um, and, and the tree there. Uh, but it's, it's more than that. It's also the tree in Psalm 1, okay? Just planted by the, the rivers of water and those of us who, who partake of that tree, you know, uh, you know we, get, we, we get all the blessings there uh, of that. And then... Um, the uh, so so this is the Garden of Eden, but on steroids. Mm. It's it's the fullness of what God has purposed when He first created, uh, and it's on the new heavens. It's the new earth. Um, it's the church uh, of all ages uh, gathered together there in the presence of God, um, and we are fully healed. There's there, there's there's you know we are refreshed constantly. And we are fully uh, healed. There is no more curse. The curse is gone. Uh, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and the servants will worship him. Uh, this, is, this is the absolute fulfillment of what it means to be an Imago Dei, to, to be the image of God, where um, we, there is no uh, harmatia. There is no uh, missing of the mark uh, that sin brings. And, uh, and and so we are we are fully have become the images of Christ for all of eternity. No more uh, night um, there uh, because God is is the light. Uh, we reign with Him forever. There is no end uh, to this. All right. So that's the end, in a sense, of the book of of Revelation. That the body of the book of Revelation. All right, so we start in creation in chapter four, and we end in the new creation. Hmm. Okay, yeah, and the, the fullness of the presence of God, where everyone is is now the living creatures. Everyone are the are the the, the twenty four elders. We're all doing what they're doing in chapter one. We're doing this um, forever in the presence of God. Right. Hmm. So there's it's, it's an, what we call an inclusio. Um, chapter four and chapter uh, twenty-two are an inclusio. They're, they're, everything in between is about those two things uh, coming to be hmm. and coming into uh, fruition. Awesome. And then we come to uh, the concluding words. All right. Uh, and so this is Jesus speaking. <clears throat> Where did we hear that? Chapters two and three. Chapter two and three. Jesus is speaking to the church. Then now he's speaking to the church again, right? These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Again, uh, you know who's this Angelos? Who's this one that's uh, that's um, speaking? And it's it's the spirit of God um, that that has come. There is there have been multiple messengers throughout the book, all right? But who is this one? Messenger, if we go back to chapter one, I believe it, it, it tells us it's the Holy Spirit. 
Um, and, and so John, you know, hears this. He falls down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed him uh, these things. And, uh, and, and that angel then is um, the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit that is uh, actively in work at ensuring the gospel uh, message through the various messengers. And so this one uh, messenger, this one angel, now becomes all of the messengers that, uh, that have been included in, in this book and through the prophets and all, right? He becomes all of those. I am fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of, uh, of this book. Worship God, right? And so the, the Holy Spirit has passed this word on to John and to all the other prophets and, uh, and to bow down before any of them is to miss the point because there is, you know, this is, this is not the false prophet that's, that's speaking here. This is, this is the truth of God's word. Uh, and, and then don't seal up the words of this book, where in Daniel, the last thing is seal up the words of this book, okay, because it hasn't been fulfilled. Now don't seal it up hmm. uh, because we're, we're there. Let the evildoers uh, still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, the righteous still do right, the holy still be holy. Is this talking about at the end of time? Is this, is this you know, the final thing? And the answer is no. Um, this, this is, Jesus is speaking to the churches, and um, he's, he's basically saying, if you're going to do evil, then you're going to do evil for all of eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your choice. Are you gonna are you gonna listen to the words of this book? Are you gonna follow the words of this book? Or are you going to rebel? And if you rebel, then you're going to that's gonna continue on through all of eternity. He's coming soon, bringing his recompense with him. Um, he's the Alpha and Omega. If anybody questioned whether Jesus is uh, is God, um, the Son come in the flesh, then this should destroy that. Uh, he is the Alpha and Omega, which goes back to chapter one, uh, in which God declares himself as Alpha and Omega, mm-hmm. all right? The first and the last, the beginning and the end. Um, and so blessed are those who wash their robes, that they have the right to the tree of life. And again, this is simply restating the stuff that we saw in chapters two and three uh, there. And then outside of the dogs and all all of those other things. So that's outside of the city, outside of of uh, the uh, the new heavens and a new earth. Um, and so Jesus sent the, the angel. Uh, when did he do that? Pentecost. The Holy mm. Spirit uh, has come to testify um, through this that, uh, that Jesus is the root descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit, oh wait, how'd that jump in there? Well, because that's the angel. That's, that, that's, that's the one who is witnessing through the church. All right, the spirit and the bride. Okay, uh, so that t- that explains to us who that messenger is hmm. that Jesus has talked about. It is the spirit and the bride, and what are they saying to to the lost in the world? Come, let him who hears say, "Come." Those who are thirsty, come. The one who desires, take the water of life without price. Okay, so if you're gonna if you're going to ignore it, verse eighteen, then you're going to get all the plagues of this book. Um, if you take away from uh, the words of this this prophecy and and you know 
try to, to basically say Jesus isn't God, which is what was going on with the Gnostics and the Docetists of uh, that first century, then um, you're, you're cast out. You're on the outside. And he who testifies these things says, Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord. Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. And Amen. that's it. Yeah. That's Revelation. What a wonderful way to finish not only Revelation but the Bible too. Mm. You know, you look back, you read through the entire Old Testament, you read through the entire New Testament, then Revelation sums everything up, and then at the end it says, "Come, Lord Jesus," Amen. and we look forward to his his return. It's so beautiful to me. You know, I keep saying that over and over again, but it really is. I just love seeing how God tied up all of history throughout the Bible and even through today into this book and ropes us into it as well and makes us part of it. Mm-hmm. It's just such a wonderful book. And the, the the more time I've spent with it, the more I've loved it. So, Pastor Chris, we could not have done this without you. I mean, you are really the driver behind this entire season. And uh, so we're really thankful for all the time that you've spent and dedicated to to helping us explain this to our listeners, uh, it's such a great value that you that you've added to us and to our show and to me personally. While while going through this study, has really caused me to grow so much and learn so much about what God has said through the Bible. So I'm I'm really thankful for you doing this. Well, you guys got to pray for me because my intent is to write a commentary on Revelation. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a prayer that I have that uh, the Lord will give me the grace to be able to, to do that and, and to finish that uh, before he takes me uh, home into glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be such an awesome resource for the church. Yeah. You know, I, I would love to have that in my library be something that I would use probably for the rest of my life as I continue to wrestle with this book, you know, for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Even uh, just these episodes, I'm going to have to re-listen to multiple times just to fully digest everything you said. Mm -hmm. Because even just sitting here, I can't, I can't digest it all. Yeah. It's so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, but you know, the more it becomes clear and the more I understand it, I think the more I love it, Mm-hmm. the more I enjoy it. So it's been an awesome adventure going through this book. Yeah. And uh, we're not done yet. We still have another episode coming up where we have actually Pastor Chris uh, along with Dr. Uh, Chung and Dale Partridge. And they're going to be uh, having a conversation on eschatology in general. We mentioned earlier on before we started going through the outline that we are taking this from an Amil perspective. Uh, It would have been very difficult to try and do some sort of unbiased walkthrough outline of Revelation. It's just, honestly, it's simply not possible. (laughs) Um, And so we decided we're going to go ahead and go with the view that we pretty much line up with. I I don't know, Mark, if... uh, you necessarily would align with any view at this point. I think you still want to spend some time Uh, on it. Exploring. Yeah. Uh, But I think Nick and myself both align with this view. And so uh, we decided that uh, we would just go ahead. We didn't want to not explain the book. We wanted to put an outline out there for you guys to listen to and, and help you with your study. So we decided to go this route. 
However, we still want the other views to be represented. They're still respected views that have been held by respected theologians, and so we wanted them to have a seat at the table as well. And so uh, that's why we interviewed folks in the beginning of the season, and that's why we are finishing the season with a roundtable where we allow uh, different representatives of those views to interact with each other and ask questions of each other and make clarifying uh, statements about, you know, some issues that other views have of each other. So, uh, like I said earlier uh, in, in the previous episode, we've already recorded that conversation. So I know that it's going to be, I already know that it's going to be a good conversation. You guys make sure you stay tuned for that next week. Uh, it is the final uh, real um I don't know what you would call it. It's, it's the final episode in which we're really diving through the actual information of Revelation. And then uh, we're going to be following that up with a final wrap-up episode of our final Bible season uh, of Bible Dingers. So That's crazy. Yeah. We, we made it through the entire Bible. And uh, it's been one of the greatest joys of my life to this point, honestly. So... With that being said, uh, you can find all of our resources on BibleDiggers.com. It has links to our blog posts and our YouTube videos and all of our podcast episodes as well. Uh, We also have affiliations with Logos. You can go on there and get a discount if you want to sign up for Logos, which is an incredible resource if you're diving deeper into theology. Um, Besides that, ding on. Is that what I say? I'm kind of lost here without Nick. I think I say ding on at the end. That's what he says. (laughs) Okay. Besides that, ding on.